All right, welcome in. Welcome into the Grind on Sports episode 24 uh, here on our YouTube channel. Uh, two weeks in a row, Ben. That means we're back, fully back. Uh, bring in my uh, master of the sidekick, as his title would would recommend. Ben Metz, uh, how you doing, buddy? Uh, Post-Christmas, hope you had a good one. Oh, man, it's been real good. Uh, really enjoyed uh, spending time with the family, uh, getting to watch a little bit of football yesterday. Uh Topped off with watching Monday Night Football. Watched my Ravens uh, handle the San Francisco 49ers, so enjoyed that thoroughly. And uh, we're about to kick it up a notch and get into bowl season, aren't we, buddy? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be huge. It's obviously game week for the Tennessee Volunteers as they are, are on site now, I think, in Orlando for the Citrus Bowl. Uh, so excited to kind of look at them a little bit, talk about what they've got going on, and ultimately talk about what maybe they don't have going on. Uh, people opting out a few few players here the last few hours have have opted out so we'll talk about that a little bit but then ultimately the big question is is joe milton going to play in the citrus bowl we'll definitely talk into that uh you talked about your ravens obviously one of the best teams in the national football league right now uh really doing their thing went on the road uh did did what uh I know some media members said wasn't going to happen uh they took care of san francisco uh but kind of on the other side of the coin, you know, another AFC foe, if you will, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they're they're in a little bit of a, a peculiar position in that they are struggling to score in the second half, str- struggling to win football games, and still definitely a playoff team, uh, but not the dominant Chiefs that we've seen over the last few years. Yeah, losing to Las Vegas, Buffalo, and Philadelphia at home recently. Uh, a lot of concerns are coming out about the Kansas City Chiefs. And if they do make the playoffs, are they going to be a one-loss team or not? And, uh, you know, that's something we're going to cover today for sure. Yeah, and, you know, I'm always uh, – my little boy, he's, uh, and my wife are, are all uh, – they're Swifties, uh, to say the least. So I can't uh, necessarily knock the whole dynamic there. Um, but, you know, I, the other day on the, on the broadcast – they had a, a Taylor cam. They had a Taylor Swift cam. Every time uh, Kelsey would miss a catch, they would talk about, well, I wonder what Taylor thinks about that. And they're doing all this stuff. I, I hate to say this, but I'm wondering if that relationship and that just dynamic is starting to weigh a little bit, maybe even in the locker room, and cause a little bit of uh, a little bit of distress uh, in the Chiefs organization. They're going to say no. But I'll tell you this, uh, there's there's people, there's a lot of people in that locker room probably like Taylor Swift uh, from a visual standpoint as well. So I wonder if there's a little bit of, um, I don't know, animosity with Travis. I, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. It just seems like they're uh, they're they're kind of brotherhoods a little little disjointed right now. Yeah. So Wayne, you definitely want to get your perspective on this. You know, when I was growing up, um, again, telling my, tell, not telling my age here, forty. Going on 43 years of age, uh, when I played high school ball, I played for a West Point baseball coach. Uh, we were not allowed to go to prom. We were not allowed to have prom dates. So for two, I never went to prom. Um, so his philosophy was that girls were a distraction uh, for a player, uh, especially when you're going in high school baseball season when prom occurs. That's right around the time of, of district tournament. Uh, so 
I think there, I definitely think um, there is some truth to a distraction off the field and you taking that distraction on the field of play. What are your thoughts, man? You know, I understand the high school, high school dynamic because it's just hard enough for to get you to go to class, get you to do do things well in the classroom. But when you're a pro athlete, it shouldn't. There should be able to be a, a bit of professionalism. I, I mean, you, you know as well as I do, and this goes with any any daytime job. Uh, there's certain things that you probably do at home or on the weekends that probably wouldn't be approved to do in the eight hours you're clocked in at work. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, so to me, it's about separating. It's about keeping that distance. Now, that's that's cheap for me to say that because I've you know obviously. Taylor Swift being the international superstar that she is, it's not like you can say, hey, you know, dress down and don't be a distraction. You know, you really can't say that. Arguably, she's more of a celebrity than than Travis Kelsey is. And I don't think that's debatable, really. And so to me, I think it's more media generated than it is necessarily um, than it is the from them. I'm more worried about the the – I don't know how I want to phrase this. I'm just going to say the fringe benefits of of being Taylor Swift's boyfriend. How many more commercials have you seen Travis been doing here lately? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his podcast is exploding. Uh, he's doing a lot more commercials. I'm wondering if uh, he's he's got an option to, to go to practice or he's got an option to go cut a new video and he's doing that. And, right. and that's causing some distraction. Uh, don't don't take any blame away from Patrick Mahomes, though. I don't think he's necessarily been as crisp and as as explosive as he has been in the past. But a lot of times, the way you become creative and explosive and and dynamic is you've spent just as much time on the practice field as you, you ever would in a game. And maybe that time together is lacking. And so, um, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the what the answer is, but I can tell you right now, they are not uh, they're not unbeatable. I mean, obviously, San Francisco, uh, there's been a lot of teams that's taken care of them the last few weeks, uh, including my Broncos. Uh, my little boy, big Chiefs fan, not happy with me on that one. But a lot of teams have have found the way to, to have their way with the Chiefs. And I don't I think if they don't get that fixed, they're going to be an early exit in the AFC playoffs and ultimately maybe pave the way for a Ravens Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely think about National Football League. I think about the Tony Romo and Jessica Simpson scenario, you know, is very similar similar to this. The the lackluster performance of Tony Romo when he started dating Jessica Simpson. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of I think even it was joked at at the time. They said it's kind of like uh uh who framed Roger Rabbit? Whenever Roger Rabbit was around Jessica, uh, Jessica Rabbit, he'd just go all to pieces. <laughs> and, you know, George W. Bush, even, I mean, at that time, you, if you recall, George W. Bush was president and he was adamant that uh, that was a negative impact. The relationship was a negative impact to Tony Romo's performance on the field for the Cowboys. Uh, so what we've seen this past week, what we've seen this past week, um, we've seen we've seen Patrick Mahomes get very frustrated with officials and, and emotional, um, you know, in the past couple of weeks due to play calls. And then we've also seen Kelsey come off the field, throw his helmet down. Andy Reid get very frustrated with his behavior, not allowing him, him to have his helmet back, bumping into uh, Travis Kelsey and kind of saying, hey, get, get get it together, buddy. I mean, come on, we got 
we got to win this ball game. But I think I think there is there is something going on there for them to have those three losses. Now, two of those losses have been competitive teams. I mean, Philadelphia and Buffalo. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Las Las Vegas. It's just on paper, um, Philadelphia and Buffalo are pretty good football teams and tough to beat at home regardless. Right. And, and despite all of the skies falling that I've tried to portray here the last few minutes, they're still leading their division. They're still probably going to lock in a playoff spot if they haven't already. Uh, and really, the only team that that really have a better record for th- than they do in the NFC or in the AFC is your Ravens, uh, the Miami Dolphins, the kind of came out of nowhere Miami Dolphins, and the ten and five Cleveland Browns, which I think uh, that that will wash itself out in these last couple ball games. So it's not like they're not a good team. It's just here's the thing: uh, they're the parity in, in NFL football this year has been pretty high, and I think if they don't get their stuff together, it could be uh, it could cause big time problems. Uh, as they enter the playoffs. And so uh, I don't necessarily – I'm okay with them stuttering a little bit. The only problem is the Raiders winning a football game didn't help my Broncos any. We're in the same division. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just need the Broncos to quit stumping their toe at the end of all these football games and possibly <laughs> make a playoff appearance. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I, I just think it's kind of weird, uh, the impact of, of, of Taylor Swift and uh, how it really – I don't know. It's like it's not a football game anymore. I'm like, come on, guys. Uh, let's just worry about what's happening yard line to yard line. And then at a timeout, at an injury, just want to peek up there and see what Taylor thinks. I'm cool with it. But it shouldn't be like a every time they're on offense. Yeah. It's, I mean, unfo- yeah. And I'm with you. Unfortunately, unfortunately for Travis, for Travis, um, whenever you date a high profile celebrity like this, if you have a if you if you are not performing or your team's not performing, uh, the next day the national media is just going to grab it and they're going to run with it and they're going to say that's the result of of him dating um, him dating a celebrity. But uh, but I think like you said, there's been some really close games. I mean, these haven't been blowouts. Uh, they've been really close games. Some of them an arguable call at the end of the ball game. So I'm with you, buddy. I, I don't think it necessarily uh, is. A distraction right now. I think it uh, um, it's definitely something fun to talk about. But let's see how they finish out the season. Right, and, and they've got two more games. They've got the Bengals at home, and they go to the Chargers, which uh, I think they they're without a head football coach. So I think that's a winnable ball game. Uh, the Bengals were the, are without Joe Burrow. I think it's a two edged sword. I think you win those two games, people get their confidence back about the Chiefs. Everything's hunky dory. You go into the playoffs hot. If you lose one or both of those games, oh lord, the Boo Birds could go crazy and and really could upset the apple cart and an early exit to the playoffs. But I, I foresee both of those being wins for the Chiefs. Everything just being fine moving forward. But uh, let's let's kind of move forward to bowl games, college football. Again, winding down their their season here, uh, less than one week away from the uh, college football play-in games, the playoff games that'll get us to a national championship matchup, uh, and really just a ton of of teams. You know, a uh, bunch of buddies and and you and I on a text chat that says, you know, bowl picks have been. I mean, you really just can't make a, a decision here because you can no longer look at, well, they played these common opponents or 
or they were 10 and three or they were nine and a six and six football team with no opt-outs is better than a 10 and two team with 20 opt-outs. And so to me, it's, it's a craziness. I think coach Jabari said it and I'll continue to say it with him. Um, opt-outs and, uh, and early exit transfer portal. It's kind of ruined the bowl season, but, uh, it's crazy nonetheless. Yeah, it's like that movie, The Replacements, right? I mean, you're seeing all these guys, uh, skeleton crews uh, on offensive line, wide receiver, quarterback, you know, wherever, both sides of the ball. And you have to, when you're, if you're making a pick throughout this bowl season or you're rooting for a particular team, you, you really have to look at who's playing and who's not playing uh, before you make your pick. Yeah, and, and and really that's difficult, especially with some of these earlier bowls that have uh, – you wouldn't know the name of the starter from the guy that opt out, and you never know. Like some of them, like the the one today that had no uh, – uh, what was his name? It was uh, the kid from Missouri, the Basil Lake or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I picked him because I liked him, even though he wasn't that good. <laughs> he wasn't that good at Missouri. I just knew him. Mm-hmm. So um, – so, I, to me, it's just kind of odd, uh, really, uh, for for what what we're looking at. Um, people's gonna we're gonna have to, especially in the world of NIL, we're gonna have to look at this and uh, and set some parameters. I think as an advertiser, you know, we we get sponsors and we do different things here in this in this arena. Um, I know if I said, hey, you know, nobody really watches podcasts the week of Christmas or the week of this, I'm I'm just gonna take it off. It's fine. Mm-hmm. They're going to ask me, well, can I pay less money this month? Mm-hmm. So to me, I, I don't know how you're not getting guys uh, that, that pay big time money for these NIL deals, not looking at, you know, name your person. I, I don't know. Uh, high profile. I guess Caleb Williams is one I would probably think has a pretty strong NIL package. He's not playing in USC's bowl game. Um, to me, I'd be like, you're a husband trophy winner. I'm paying you all this money. You're playing, buddy. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and to me, the way this bowl season has gone, I I really would like to see us uh, expand the playoff and do away with the bowls, so to speak. So maybe maybe if if they see some success from a revenue perspective with a 12 team playoff, uh, I hope that they evaluate next year. You know, maybe maybe continue with some of these these bowls like your Fiesta Bowl and, and your your Rose and all these other – the major bowls, the Citrus Bowl, for example, and make it a more extended playoff rather than playing, you know, some of these Barstool um, and some others, you know. Well, and, and it comes down – you know, it comes down to money. That's what – that's what always bothers me. I think anybody that's a college football purist, the coaches, all of those, those outlets, they would agree with us. I, I don't think – we are not coming up with an idea that's just groundbreaking. Hey, just just trim down the bowl games and right. have better football. But here's what's going to happen. The old, uh, what was Carson Daly Bowl that they had last year? Uh, they're going to say, oh, man, but we had 25,000 people watching, and, and CBS had 600,000 people watching around the country. And there's just this dollar figure that it's kind of one of those – Ignorance is bliss. You don't know what it's like to have it until you have it, and then you can't live without it. Even though for years you lived without it forever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's there has to be a concerted effort, and I don't know who pushes this. Honestly, I, I really mm-hmm. don't because at the end of the day, I mean, I before we went on, I ain't gonna lie, this may date our podcast, 
but I was watching Rice and Texas State. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I could have played linebacker for one of them and you could have played quarterback for the other. I mean, just, yeah, God off of football. Now, you'd have wore your football pants a little better than that guy. He he had it. You know how in practice they'll wear them where the knee pads, like, not even not even there? Yeah, this yeah. guy straight up looked like he had bike shorts on. Like, they were about three or four inches above the knee. And I'm like, I don't even know if that's legal. But anyway, yeah. I digress. But uh, to me, I, there's still going to be those guys like me that watch every one of them, whether it sucks or not. I mean, Laura and I just kind of, it's comical. You know, uh, you, you kind of see what, what the rest of the world is dealing with, you know, because we kind of live here in SEC country and kind of see good football each and every week. But to me, it's a it's a disparity nonetheless, and I don't know what you do with it because I think there's money made regardless. And and a lot of people would say, well, I don't know how you can't cut that that game out. There ain't but three to 5,000 people there. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. there's There's millions of people watching on TV. They've got it on in a bar somewhere, and nobody's watching it, but it's on in the bar. So Fox, CBS, ESPN, name your outlet. I'm not bashing them. They're just making money for people who's willing to take it. Um, And it's going to be there. It's going to be there. So realistically, there's no way to validate that it's a good idea other than we're just going to lose the money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's the same thing as, uh, you know, the – Detroit Lions playing football on Thanksgiving Day. You know, um, there's not a lot of teams that want to play on Thanksgiving Day, but the consumer, most consumers are off for Christmas break or holiday break, and they're watching football with their families. So you're going to have people that want to turn on the TV, watch those advertisements, turn on those networks. And you're right, man, that that's, that's the revenue that it generates. <clears throat> Yeah, so I think I think in in saying all that, and if people are still listening, uh, the only way to fix it is is you're you're not going to get rid of the bowl game. It's not going to happen. Uh, so you got to fix the product. You got to you got to make these kids want to play, need to play, or frankly have to play. Uh, I, I think you know, uh, it, in my opinion, in the world of NIL, we're as close to NFL football as we're ever going to be. You know, people saying, oh, well, they need to get ready for their pro day. Well, the pro day is a month away. Mm-hmm. Their pro day is a month away. You you get ready from game to game in a seven-day cycle. Why can't? Why is a month not enough time to get ready for your pro day? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, to me, that's a, that's an, that's a, uh, that's a null and void, you know, conversation. Uh, to me, again, I go back. I'm a, I'm a pretty straightforward, you sign the dotted line here. I expect this out of you. To me, NIL world needs to mean you play every time we lock, we lace them up. Now, now, does that generate people saying, "Oh, I'm injured"? Does that generate people saying, "Oh, I can't go today"? You know, my hamstrings tight or whatever. Maybe it does, but in some ways, ignorance is bliss in that category too. Lie to me. I'd rather mm-hmm. you say I'm hurt and I can't go than I. I just think. The, the me is better than the we in this situation. I want to get ready for the draft. I agree. I agree. Make that deal up front and, you know, let's see the commitment come bowl game. Well, and and because here's the deal, regardless, and I go back and this is this is something I scream from the rooftops and it's not a, it's not a far-fetched thought. It's not, not something that a lot of people believe. But 
I, I always play or I'm always a part of things for those that this may be as big as it gets. You know what I'm saying? Like when I'm, I keep going back to Caleb Williams just because he's a huge name that I know has opted out of their bowl game. But, uh, Caleb Williams, he's going to go, he's going to go get drafted. He's going to play in the NFL success or not success. USC is not the highest level of football. He's going to play. I think that's a fair statement. Uh, but there's going to be a lineman. There's going to be a linebacker. There's going to be a defensive back that playing in the Coliseum, playing for USC, and possibly this bowl game here is the highest it's going to get for them. It's the last time they're going to lace them up. And if you go out, you win the bowl game, it's successful. That's a memory that he's going to take, and that's his finale. But you opt out. You say, my my future's bigger than the the the, the program or this team's future and I'm not going to play. Well, they throw in a backup quarterback. He's not ready to go. He goes in there, doesn't have a good game, and they get smoked by some smaller school, and that's his memory that he gets to tell his kids about. Yeah, now, and then how does that translate at the pro level? You know, you you behave that way in college, and then you go to the pros, and are you going to participate in preseason football? Are you going to play in preseason football games? If you're asked to play in preseason football games, are you, uh, uh, you know, when you're knocked out of the playoffs, when you're out of the playoffs, you're, uh, statistically, it's impossible you for you to make the playoffs going into week 15, week 16. Are you going to fake an injury and not be part of your team uh, for, for the last couple weeks of the season? Uh, I would say yes. I mean, I think it's a reflection of you as a teammate. Right. And, and you know, I don't know. I watched uh, – you, have you watched that history of SEC football? It was that Saturdays down south that they they did probably a couple of years ago during kind of COVID recovery there. It mm-hmm. was like a six-part segment or whatever. And, uh, you, you know, there was all this discussion. They said, uh, you know, um, coach wouldn't let us do this or coach said we couldn't do that or did this and that. You don't hear about that anymore. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? You talked about your coach said no prom dates. Can't go mm-hmm. to prom. There was probably nothing that he could physically do to keep you from going to prom, right? Right. There was just a – there was a respect. There was a, um understanding of, of it's his team, his rules, and you're respectful enough to follow those. I don't think there's much of that going on, and that's not a Josh Heupel. That's not a Lincoln Riley. That's not a – a one-off problem that's a that's a world we live in in the transfer world where mm-hmm. oh coach said i can't do this or that i have to do this well this coach just called me over the weekend and said he wouldn't make me do that so i'll just leave and so i think there is as much as i don't want to be the old codger that just sits here and says it ain't the way it used to be it ain't the way that it used to be you know used to there was a respect there was a there was a reason you did what you did because you you respected the brand on your jersey. You respected the coach that wore the headset. And ultimately, you wanted to represent your parents well. Well, now it's you've already got your own logo when you get to college. You're already a millionaire because of the NIL. So self-centered is a foregone conclusion. And now it's just riding it out till you can get to the league. That's the way I, I feel like a lot of these kids are, are viewing it far gone is is the i'm doing it because it's supposed to be this way approach mm-hmm. yeah and i and i don't 
I know the the counter argument from the player perspective is going to be, well, if I play in that game, I could potentially get hurt, or I I play in this game, I could potentially get hurt, and that could cost me money. Uh, that to me, from an ath- athlete, we we've been fortunate, Wayne, you and I, to talk to a bunch of athletes, um, and and that that is not the mindset that most athletes have that play at a high level. Their mindset should be most most successful athletes is I want to compete. I want to compete. I have a chance to play football uh, this week with my brothers, and I want to compete and win. And, and I think that when you start to go down that path, I think of uh, that Tennessee wide receiver you and I talked about. It was Hunter, and uh, uh, you know, going across the middle, it just looked like on those quick slants across the middle, he didn't he eased up. He didn't like to go across the middle his senior year. Uh, he was thinking about that money. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you, buddy. I, I don't like it as a fan. Um, I know, I know. There's a there's another side to it from a player's perspective that they're they're going to say, "Hey, uh, you need to think about uh, our. We need to think about our future uh, and things of that nature." But uh, it's entertainment. It's entertainment, yeah. and we're paying for it, man. So I, I want to see him play. And and here's the thing. I, I think it's very much um I understand I I can get with both sides. I understand that you, you a person has individual value, right? I don't think there's there's any question. You know, you look at um you know Cam Newton back in twenty ten, you look at Peyton Manning in ninety seven. They were the the un 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is there was no question that they were the leader of the franchise. They were the reason why Tennessee and Auburn, respectively, did their thing and did it at an extremely high level. So I understand that the the me is more valuable than the we. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at the same rate, um, you didn't practice any less or more. You didn't, um, you didn't sit in any more or less meetings. And to me um, – I'm all I'm all about like being a leader and don't talk about it be about it. That's where it comes down to it. It, it doesn't it doesn't come down in your personal record at the bench press or at the curls or at the <laughs> yeah. or at yeah. the 40-yard dash. That's not where you're a leader. It's uh it's when you're uh when you you don't necessarily feel like you should go, but you go because oh Johnny over here, oh Jimmy over here is going to go and he right. has to go. Um you know and and that's just it's it's nobody's fault. It's not those individuals' fault that the system's built the way it is. It's an available option, and uh, if you don't take the option, then a lot would question question that. But um, that's just where I sit in the cheap seats. Uh, I've never been in that spot, and I don't know that I would. I, I don't know how I'd respond because people was going to say, "Well, if you were there, what would you do?" I don't know. My fat butt ain't never going to be there, mm-hmm. so I can tell you I don't know. Same. But I can tell you as a fan. Uh, when I go buy your jersey and then you opt out of a bowl game, I'm not necessarily interested in wearing your bowl game or your jersey next year. Uh, that's the difference. I'll wear Peyton Manning's jersey till the cows come home or they, they tell me a bunch of bad stuff he's done in the past. <laughs> but uh, until then, uh, he bled Tennessee. He came back for an extra year. Um, those are the things that legends are made out of. Not let me not play one football game so I can get ready for one day about an hour and a half worth of workouts to maybe improve my draft stock. 
to me, you're putting a lot of maybes out there just so you don't have to play a football game. Yeah, and it'd be different. And I'm with you, calling from the same, calling from the same cheap seats. You look at you look at Trey Smith. That's another example. Darnell Wright. That's another guy that did not opt out of a out of the bowl game last year. Um, so for for a lot of these guys to say, hey, this is this is a no brainer. Uh, obviously, to a lot of high valued football players, it is a decision, and you make your own decision. Uh, so guys like Peyton Manning, Darnell Wright, and I use Trey Smith as an example. These are guys who easily could have said, I'm not playing. And they chose to play with their brothers and finish what they started. Right, right. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. It's just, um, and like I said, you can beat this dead horse any, any different way you want to. Uh, that that The guy that keeps getting pointed to for why you opt out is that, uh, was it Notre Dame's tight end, that butts or whatever, or was it mm-hmm. Michigan? I can't uh, remember. But uh, anyway, he's the guy. He's the guy that they always point to and say, that's why you opt out. You know, you opt out because of, of situations like what happened to him. Well, here's the thing. There's a reason why he was a he was a rare occasion because it's rare that it happens. And uh, to me, um, all those coaches, uh, they could have benched you and started somebody else, plenty of those games. Uh, all those teammates could have could have blocked for somebody else or could have blocked for you all those games. Um, what's one more game? And, and in the day's era, it's not even – you don't even play a whole football game. You only play one side of the football. So you're telling me 30 minutes. None of your teammates are worth 30 minutes. Right. But uh, Tennessee has a fair share of opt-outs. Uh, not opt-outs, but a lot of ours are transfers. Really, I think opt-out-wise, uh, right now, I think it's confirmed one. I think – well, two if you count Jalen Wright. Jalen Wright opted out for the league, and then Jabari Small has opted out. I'm not sure if that's to prepare for the league. I'm not sure if that's for what that is. Uh, but to me, that's not a good look. I expect that to be a transfer move. Uh, I, don't, I don't I don't foresee you opting out of a bowl game and coming back next year, my opinion. Right. So uh, that's, um, that's what I think. Yeah, I think, you know, you, we talked about it briefly on the last episode. Um, I think Jalen Wright really came out this year and took that number one role as a running back over Jabari Small. I think Jabari Small saw the writing on the wall early in the season when Sampson took that two spot. And uh, just to be honest with you, I think Josh Heupel did an excellent job uh, stacking them in that order, and Jabari's just going to look to find that number one spot elsewhere. Yeah, I think by, by you know Sampson is going to be the stud uh, in this bowl game. Uh, you know, I think he's going to have to to carry the load. Now, that's going to be a question mark is can he, with a smaller frame, carry the load? We'll, we'll find that part out. But what I do think is going to be interesting is who they run out as the two guy. To me, it's Cam Seldon. I think he's the young guy that they wanted a lot out of. They 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 were able to kind of secure his red shirt. Uh, bowl games don't impact red shirt. So I, I like uh, possibly him being the, the number two guy uh, there. So, to me, uh, I am uh, very interested in what that looks like. But, yeah, Tennessee, I think that speaks volumes for what Coach Heupel, from a culture standpoint, has done, is the kids that are going to be at Tennessee in 2024 or even have uh, have chosen to, to be a part of this team, if they're not transferring, there are not many opt-outs. Whereas if you look at guys, uh, teams like Georgia, who, you know, came one game shy of the college football playoff, the last – I heard was 23 
they had 23 players either in the portal or opting out of the bowl game. Uh, it's it's an even to the point of there was a lot of question marks as to uh, their quarterback Carson Beck uh, being able to to connect and do what he he needs to do for this team. Yeah, multiple multiple players from Georgia hitting the transfer portal. Uh, most notably, you've had some wide receivers uh, that have hit it recently, like Logan Johnson. Um, you also have, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, Wayne, but it's Morissette is the kid. Can't pronounce it. Is that that wide receiver? Yeah, yeah. And and now, they, now they've now they gone out and they got that Miami uh, wide out transfer, Colby Young, and they got the Vanderbilt kid, the Humphrey kid. Um, so uh, 20 players in the portal uh, for Georgia and more by the day. <clears throat> yeah, and, and to me, uh, they're going to <laughs> – you know they're going to the Orange Bowl. Uh, I understand if you're going to the no 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 shame in these, but if you're going to these car care bowls, if you're oh, going yeah. to these uh, Pop Tart bowls, if you're going to the Carson Daly bowls, I just felt like that <laughs> one was weird. Uh, or if any of your bowl games are being played in a baseball stadium, to me it's okay. I, I understand some of the risk reward situation, but when you're going to the Orange Bowl. Like, I, I just don't get it. And I'll tell you, and the reason I, I know it can happen, and I'm not trying, this is very much a Big Orange uh, podcast. This is very much a Tennessee-centered podcast. But you know who doesn't have, uh, you know who doesn't have opt-outs? You're Alabama. looking at it, man. Yeah, Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. Alabama does not have opt-outs. They just yeah. don't. Yeah. Like I, the, it doesn't matter. Jalen Milrow, uh, what was the kid's name that was the Heisman Trophy winner that went to the Eagles? He didn't opt out. Yeah. Um, you know, Derrick Henry didn't opt out of bowl games, and I just, I really don't think it's impacted their NFL status at all. Right. Yeah. Because I, I do, I do question, and, and maybe you know, in the NFL now, it's not as hardcore as it used to be. You know, you talk a lot about Ozzie Newsome and, and how the Ravens. You know how they dealt with certain things, certain quarterbacks, certain people, uh, and how they question certain things. But maybe they don't ask those cultural questions like they used to. But I remember, you know, like Arian Foster. You know, one of the big knocks on Arian Foster was they talked to Philip Fulmer, and Fulmer mentioned that he had a fumbling problem, that he mm-hmm. had a hard time holding on to the football. I, I have to believe. That, you know, just like when you recruit kids to college, just like when you, you, you watch them and you want them to be the, the face of your, your football team in college, these NFL scouts are, are looking at your Instagram. They're looking at your Facebook. They're looking at what you've done, what you haven't done, what you opted into, what you opted out of. And I think that's going to impact the bottom dollar. Now, will that ever be spoken that, you know, you'll see an itemized list of, Here's why we're offering you $10 million. And down here in the fine print, it says minus, you know, $100,000 because your your character sucks. You know, I don't, I don't think it says that. But what I'm saying is, is at the end of the day, when you're on the big board in the, in the war room or the draft room, whatever they call it, you can't tell me that if apples to apples are sitting here, this guy never missed a bowl game. This guy played in every game that he was suited up for and arguably same measurables, they're going to go this route because they know he's not going to be a locker room distraction, not going to be a, a me over we situation. 
Well, I, I definitely think you're on to something, Wayne, because you talked about the no opt-outs for Alabama. And really, with Tennessee, you've got the one Jabari Small. Now, there's some, you know, with those defensive backs and, and that issue being addressed by Coach Heupel uh, is minimal after these, you know, we're in our third year with Josh Heupel. And if you think about the number of opt-outs, that number continues to get reduced. And really, star players are saying, hey, I'm going to play. I'm going to play with my team. Um, you know, Milton hasn't decided to opt out of this game as of this broadcast. And uh, for Georgia to have 20 opt-out players, uh, you know, you smell smoke, they fire. And uh, especially with Carson Beck, Carson Beck wavering. And you and you said it. This is not – this is a bowl game. This is a big bowl game. Um, so – for them, for them to have players at this quantity and to have key players like Carson Beck even going, you know, I may not play in this game. I, I'm thinking about maybe hitting the transfer portal. Tells me that maybe the, the conversations that Kirby Smart is having with these players at the time that they are being recruited, uh, maybe it involves playing time and he's not being transparent about what that playing time looks like. I mean, a lot of these guys are wide receivers from Georgia. You know, there's four or five of these guys wide receivers. So is right. he is he is he promising them playing time, and then they they play a year of football, uh, and there's there's twenty guys in the wide receiver room, and they start doing the math, going, well, you only need three guys out there at one given point in time, and I'm I'm number eight on the depth chart, so so I'm getting out of here, and he didn't tell me that he didn't tell me that when he recruited me, whereas with Coach Heupel, and I think with Coach Saban. I think they're having transparent discussions about playing time, transparent discussions about where they'll fit in this offense. And that goes to Josh Heupel getting 21 uh, commitments on signing day. And uh, what you're starting to see from the national media is that that recruiting class, even though it's not highly ranked on some media outlets, it fills all the needs that Josh Heupel is looking for going into the 2024 season. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe it's that I was kind of, I was wanting to create a little bit of buzz about uh, Kirby smart leaving. Uh, so I was wanting to say, you know, or is that indicative of uh, a potential Kirby smart uh, having conversations with NFL franchises and people are like, listen, this guy's not in it for the long haul anymore. Maybe I need to exit this thing now. Now people will say, "No, no, there's no way Kirby Smart will ever leave Athens." Well, we never thought Steve Spurrier would leave Gainesville. Uh, we never really thought that Urban Meyer would leave uh, Gainesville or Columbus, and he did both of those. Uh, so, to me, um, I don't, I don't know that there's a, a line in the sand that somebody won't leave. Do I think he should? Absolutely not. Do I think he could and maybe will? Yes, just because I think Kirby is is at a level, especially um, at Georgia and setting the precedence that he has with back-to-back championships. He is going to be a coach now that if he's not in the in the uh, college football playoff, very similar to Nick Saban, has he lost a step? And so I think uh, uh, he may very quickly tire of that conversation and see if he can't get it done at the big-time level. I know there's going to be some jobs open, Obviously, the Chargers' job is open. I don't necessarily think that's a job he'll look to take, but here in uh, probably the next year or so, I wouldn't be surprised if Arthur 
blank doesn't get a little tired of old Arthur Smith uh, there in, in Atlanta. And I tell you, uh, Kirby rolling right up the street to Atlanta to take on to take over on the Falcons. I could see that fitting. A lot of people have mentioned the name uh, Robert Kraft and the Patriots. To me, I think that's a terrible marriage, but um, I'm all for upsetting the apple cart for the Patriots and for Georgia. So I'll, I'll jump on board. But uh, to me, uh, you just got to see what happens. I don't know. I think it to be true um, for it to come out. Uh, as a, initially as a rumor from different sports outlets, I think it to be true. I have two reasons for that. The first reason is the pay from the pay perspective. So Kirby Smart is the second highest paid coach in SEC football under Saban, uh, $10 million a year coach. Well, that falls around halfway down the list in the National Football League. So you're, you're right around Mike McDaniel for the Las Vegas Raiders uh, making $10 million uh, in the NFL. So absolutely more money is to be had if he wanted to go to the NFL. And I'm sure those offers from some of those teams you mentioned would pay more than what, what McDaniel's making it in Las Vegas. Uh, so pay is my number one issue, but we talk about this each week, Wayne, is the, uh, just the, the headache of the transfer portal, the headache of uh, keeping players and, and uh, making sure everybody understands, uh, you know, this is a 368 day a year, a job, you know, no, you know, three extra days on the year that you got to work here, you know, and uh, I don't know where you find them, but uh, uh, he had an offensive coordinator last year, Todd Monken, who jumped ship after two national championships and he went to go be offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Todd Monken has been known to say, me being a Ravens fan, hearing Monken's press conferences, uh, one thing he loves about the National Football League is it's very, very so much a, you know, every Sunday I have a job that I have to do. I don't have to get on an airplane and go talk from uh, Monday to Wednesday with various recruits. I don't have to have open office conversations with my current players about playing time and how that works. He said, this is a, this is dealing with professionals um, and less headaches, um, higher expectation. I mean, there's, there's little remorse in the NFL, but higher expect and higher expectations, but uh, definitely less stress. So I, I think it to be true. Yeah, I uh, we'll we'll definitely see that. Uh, but I, I hope I hope Tennessee takes advantage of some of these receivers, defensive backs that have that have opted out for Georgia and are obviously in the transfer portal. So we'll definitely go from there. But let's uh let's jump over to to grind time picks. Uh, as we've we've picked through uh, tomorrow or through the Wednesday, the 27th, uh, but we'll pick up on Thursday, the 28th picks. Uh, the first one on the docket will be the Wasabi Fenway Bowl to be played in Fenway Park in Boston. Uh, it's Boston College, the Eagles at 6-6, six and six, taking on the SMU Mustangs. Uh, the the Pony Excess, as it was known as back in the day. They were 11-2 <laughs> in 2023. Ninety-five percent of America's picking SMU. Uh, what say you, Mister Ben? Wasabi, take it, take SMU here, buddy. Uh, they've run the table, winning nine regular season games straight, um, and capped it off with that big AAC championship win over Tulane. So going with uh, going with SMU. Uh, Boston College will be just right up the street. That doesn't that doesn't tweak your interest that maybe they've got a, the upper hand there. Uh, they lost, they they've they've been on a losing streak, so I'm going to go with the guys that have been winning SMU. 
with the Mustangs. I, I, I also took the Mustangs, just trying to get you in there. Another baseball field uh, bowl game here, the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl to be played in Yankee Stadium. It's the Miami Hurricanes at 7-5 and five against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Uh, big Greg Schiano's bunch taking on the Hurricanes. Uh, 84% of America's taking the Canes. You got the Canes or the Scarlet Knights? Well, you talked about it. We are true Tennessee fans. So uh, I'm not picking Greg Schiano, just like we didn't pick him in our coaches' search. <laughs> I'm going I'm going to continue that trend, buddy, uh, with my orange and white brothers. I'm picking the Canes to upset both. Uh, both teams have a lot of opt-outs. I like Ja'Curry Brown at quarterback for the Canes. Like it, like it. I'll take the Canes as well. The Pop-Tarts Bowl, uh, that that I'm not even sure where it's being played, uh, but it is between the Kansas State Wildcats, number 25 team in the country in the final poll at 8-4, and four, taking on number 18 in that final poll, NC State at 9-3. and three. This one's pretty much a dead heat. Uh, 51%'s got K State, 49% of America's taken NC State. Uh, I think either way, we're picking somebody's state, but uh, who you got there, buddy? I'm taking NC State. I- I'm taking Brendan Armstrong, the lead rusher and quarterback for the Wolfpack, to outplay Avery Johnson, the freshman at K State. I'm taking K State, and it's just because of old Dave Doran uh, talking about uh, a good day in uh, Raleigh is still better than a great day in Knoxville. So I'll never let him live that one down. So uh, give me K-State. I think Bill Schneider could come out of retirement and beat him. All right. Taking Dorn, huh? Uh, Valero Alamo Bowl. Uh, Oklahoma Sooners 10-2 and two in, the, in the regular season, number 12 in the final ranking, taking on Arizona. Number 14 in the final rankings, 9-3 and three in the regular season. 68% picking the Sooners, 32% picking the Wildcats. Who you got? Taking Arizona win this one. Dylan Gabriel has entered the portal uh, for the Sooners, and they'll go with Jackson Arnold. I like Noah Fifeta, who finished sixth in the nation total quarterback rating. So I like Fifeta at quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to Arizona as well, and it's, it's strictly because of the Dylan Gabriel move. Uh, to me, that that tells me uh, the the future is going to be have a lot of change in it for for Brent Venables bunch. So to me, Arizona again continuity wins. I'm going to go with the Wildcats. Uh, the next one, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, to be played in Jacksonville. We'll see the Kentucky Wildcats taking on the Clemson Tigers. So a battle of felines there in the Gator Bowl. Uh, Kentucky seven and five in the regular season. Clemson, number 22 in the final rankings for 2023. They finished at eight and four. 84% of America's taken the Clemson Tigers. Who do you got? Do I have to pick on this one? I mean, <laughs> but you got Klubnik versus Leary. Uh, I'm going to take the Wildcats. Um, Andrew uh, Mukuba and Nate Wiggins will be out for the Clemson tigers in the secondary that'll allow leary to throw the ball deep extend the run uh, extend the field and then uh use utilize the run to win the ball game so i wonder if old davis is going to play what was his name fred davis or whatever ray they, davis ray davis ray, ray davis. davis i knew it was a it was an older name ray is not necessarily as old as fred but 
Uh, I'm going to call him Fred Davis from now on. He's Fred Davis to me. I went with Clemson on this one, and I just think because Klubnik is uh, he is one of those guys that's still seeing the the hearing the footsteps of last year's bowl game against Tennessee. I think they've probably taken that a little bit to heart. They can't lose two bowl games in a row. I think Dabo pushed them a little hard not in the in the postseason, get them ready. And I think Mark Stoops and company been focusing way too much on what they can get out of the portal. I haven't focused on this bowl game. I, I go with Clemson. Okay. Uh, the, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, which would have been a way better bowl game for the previous two teams. Uh, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl uh, is Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, 9-3, and three, number 16 team in the country in the final rankings, taking on Oregon State, the Beavers, who finished at 8-4, and four, number 19 in the country. I'm going to go ahead and say I went with the Irish here. And the only reason is, is Oregon State does not have a head football coach or doesn't have the one that they had to get to eight and four. So I'm going to say it with a interim coach there, uh, I'm going to go with the Irish. So most opt-outs out of any bowl game, it's been reported. Most opt-outs on both sides. Uh, so I don't know if you really are going to watch Oregon State or if you're going to watch some team that appears to be like Oregon State or if you're going to watch Notre Dame and – you're going to see the guys who were the uh, characters in the movie Rudy. But uh, anyways, we got to pick. So I'm, uh, you know, I am taking the Beavers. I like Golberson and Deshaun Fenwick rather than the Irish offense that's missing everybody. Hartman, Estime, all three wide receivers. Um, the three guys that Hartman would pick apart the secondary with gone. So uh, I, I just feel like, you're coming out there with a bunch of guys that were in the movie, Rudy, and uh, uh, you're going to be playing against guys that actually play college football in Oregon State, so I'm going with the Beavers. It's the Rudy Bowl. Uh, it'll always be that from here on out. AutoZone Liberty Bowl there in Memphis. It'll have the Iowa State Cyclones at 7-5, and five, taking on the Memphis Tigers, who finished 9-3. and three. Uh, 62% of America's taking Memphis uh, in their home city. Uh, who do you Who do you got, Ben? I'm taking Rocco Beck and uh, Iowa State with a name like that. How can't you take him? Uh, the game is won at the line of scrimmage, brother. And Rocco has a sturdy O line that's only allowed 12 sacks all season. So going with uh, Rocco Beck and Iowa State. Yeah, I like I like Iowa State as well. I'm a, I'm a big fan of their head football coach for for a couple different cycles. Uh, I wanted him. I think his name's Matt Campbell. Is that right? Yeah. yeah uh, I think yeah. I wanted him to be uh, Tennessee's next head football coach because he was an all football kind of guy. Oh, uh, yeah. He stuck it out in Ames, Iowa, and I think it's probably been good for him because he he's had a little bit of a lull, five game lose losing season there at Iowa State. It's not a bad season here in Knoxville. It it would have been, and so to me, uh, Iowa State uh, is is the more put together program. It's more of a Probably not as many opt-outs. I think they go in wanting to play for Iowa State, not playing for the name on the back of the jersey. Uh, and so I go with Iowa State as well. Can't go yeah. for anything for Memphis either, by the way. Don't like them either. Yeah, yeah. and I like the Campbell guy too. He just appears to be like that guy that walks around with a toothpick in his mouth all the time, you know, and just has a whole slew of toothpicks in his pocket and then just coaches the old school way, you know, flipping those uh, things out. And if you look at his hat, his hat is like completely like it's full blown like trucker at a boy, <laughs> like a fish hook on the side. And you, I'm pretty sure there's a skull can ring in his back pocket. So to me, he's a coach's coach right there. So I like him. 
Uh, the next one's the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. Ohio State, the number seven team in the country, 11-1 and one on the regular season, lone loss to Michigan, taking on the number nine-ranked Missouri Tigers, 10-2 and two on the season, finished the, the season ranked number nine in the country. 71% of America's taking uh, Ohio State in this one. Honestly, it's kind of one of those I want. I, if, if the stadium could fall in, I'd be okay with it. I, I can't really oh, yeah. feel like I'm happy picking either one of these, but I just like I, I can't tell you the level of hatred I have mm-hmm. for Elia Drinkwitz. So I'm going with Ohio State to me. Just make him mad, make him stand on business. Let's see if he can't do it. I haven't told you in a long time how much I love you, man. Uh, <laughs> I really haven't. But for you to make that pick, and, and I'm right with you. So you got Eli versus Ryan Day. Uh, so you got. Uh, clown versus class here, buddy. I mean, just at, at the end of the day, that's what you got. Uh, you got Ryan Day, who's a class act, and you got the clown, Eli Drinkowitz. And, uh, you know, on the field. And Ryan Day uh, makes a lot of hope, too. So, I, I mean, to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, he, he ain't too hate him. But at least he's got a little bit of class. You know what I'm saying? Right. But uh, on the field, Cook and that offense uh, will probably at, be tough to beat with full strength. But so – so I, I'm thinking if you're if you're a Tennessee fan and you don't have any money on the game, you take OSU. If you're a Vandy fan and you've got money on the game, then you can take Missouri and you'll you'll probably win. Well, and and I'll I'll tell you this uh, in that matchup, I think it means a lot more to Missouri than it does Ohio State. I don't know what that says. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that running back that they have, who is he, is elite. He's he's a really nice running back. Uh, to me, it means a lot more to him than it's going to mean to most of those Ohio State players. So, do I think Missouri could win the football game, might win the football game? Yes. But do I want them to win the football game? No. Nope. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a pull for the conference when your team's not in it. Nope. Can't do it. Uh, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, the number 10 Penn State Nittany Lions take on the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, both teams finish the season 10-2, and two, another one of those dead heats. 51% of the country's picking Ole Miss. Uh, 49% is picking Penn State. Hate James Franklin for what he did at Vandy. Uh, don't much care for, for Lane Kiffin, but I'm going to go with Kiffin over James Franklin. I go with Ole Miss. I'm going with Ole Miss as well. Uh, Manny Diaz, the defensive coordinator, is out for Penn State. I think Jackson Dart's going to pick them apart in that secondary. So, going with Ole Miss. Trans-perfect Music City Bowl to be played in Nashville. We'll have the 7-5 and five Maryland Terrapins taking on the 6-6 six and six Auburn Tigers. Uh, Hugh Freeze will take Auburn to their first bowl game in his first season. Um I think there's some momentum there that they built late in the season, taking Alabama to the wire in the Iron Bowl. Uh, to me, they've got a lot to play for in this one. I think I'm, I'm going to go with Auburn uh, over Maryland in this one. Taking Auburn as well. I like that Auburn secondary versus uh, some of the poor decision-making I've seen this uh, this year by Tago Viola. Uh, so I look, I look for him to make some uh, mistakes in that secondary. Uh, next one's the Capital One Orange Bowl that will see number five Florida State taking on number six Georgia. We talked about that one a little bit at length with the opt-outs for Georgia. Another one of these games that I don't think you're going to see a representation of what got them to this bowl game in it. Uh, but I'm going to say 13-0 and Florida State, 12-1 and Georgia. I'm going to – 85% of America is going with Georgia, and right now my pick's on Georgia. But I, 
And the reason being is they're not going to play, I think, with their third-string quarterback at Florida State. I think they're going to play with their fourth-string quarterback. So I'm going to go with the Bulldogs. It's going to be maybe the ugliest game of the bowl season, but I'm going to go with Georgia. So that's my exact reason why I'm going with Georgia. you got Tate Rotomaker. Uh, he's going to have a skeleton crew on offense. Um, Trey Benson running back and Johnny Wilson both out for Florida State. Nobody, nobody to make those big splash plays for FSU. So yeah, going with going with the Bulldogs. All right. Next will be the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl, Wyoming and Toledo. Uh, eight and four Wyoming in the regular season, eleven and two the Toledo Rockets. Seventy-eight percent of America picks Toledo. I'm going to say a rocket will go farther than the Cowboys, so I'm going to take Toledo. I'm going to go with Wyoming on here. Toledo's going without their uh, without the Baylor transfer, Daquan Finn, and going with a backup quarterback. Wyoming has their star quarterback, Andrew Peasley. Uh, this kid's thrown for over 2,200 yards on the season, 25 touchdowns, only four picks. Uh, so I like I like the Cowboys. All right, the Relia Quest Bowl will have LSU nine and three LSU Tigers taking on the seven and five Wisconsin Badgers. This one's almost a clean sweep. LSU picked by 95% of America, uh, and it's going to be 95.1 after I pick them. So 95, uh, I'm going to go LSU. I think just uh, Brian Kelly in the SEC, uh, Luke Fickle is is going to do some nice things, I think, at Wisconsin. I think he'll stabilize that bunch. Uh, it just won't happen in this bowl game. Yeah, well, is he's he's in his second year, right? He's done a pretty good job down there within you know with his first year. Um, but yeah, I'm going with the Tigers as well. Garrett Nuss, Nussmeyer and the Tigers. Um, Wisconsin will be without running back Braylon Allen, so going with LSU. It's actually a, a bowl game of fairly new coaches at both locations. I think Brian Kelly's in his second year at LSU. Luke Fickle's at it in his first year at Wisconsin. Wow. Okay. Uh, Fiesta Bowl, the VRBO or the Verbo uh, Fiesta Bowl. We'll see Oregon, the Ducks, eleven and two on the season. Number eight in the final rankings, taking on the perfect number 23, Liberty Flames. A lot of Rebels in this matchup, as you'll see. Uh, you'll see Markel Fortenberry line up at, at receiver for Liberty, and you'll also probably on the sideline, I think he did redshirt this year, uh, you'll see Cal Grubbs there. Uh, I, it's going to be hard not to pick Liberty in this one, but to me, um, I don't know. I don't know. Why not? I'm going to switch my pick. I'm going with Liberty. Give me the flames, buddy. I love you, buddy. I love you. I'm telling you, I love you. So, so I'm going on a, I'm going on a limb as well. And, uh, I just uh, want everybody to see it. I, I took the flames. Where's it at? There you go. Yeah. And, and look for, you know, look for Caden Salter to have a big game as well at quarterback. But yeah, you talked about Cal Grubbs, uh, and some of the Maryville, Maryville, uh, Rebels playing. Uh, but, you know, another stat here this is an undefeated, uh, Flames football team. Okay, so uh, I like that they're undefeated. They have that mentality, so I look for them to take down Bo Nix and, and the Ducks. It'll be a tall order, but I think they can do it. So is Bo Nix playing in this bowl game? So uh, I haven't I, seen whether he's opted out or not. I, From what I saw and what was reported, he is playing in this game. I mean, I think he needs to. I mean, is there really much you can gain at like 5-2? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So we're going to skip the Tennessee game. We'll come to it at the at the finale. Uh, but we will talk the uh, final four here. The Michigan Wolverines taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide in the in the Rose Bowl presented by Prudential. 
I uh, want to get that that plug in there. 13 and 0 Michigan Wolverines take on the 12 and 1 Alabama Crimson Tide. This is the 1-4 matchup. Another one of those dead heats. 48% picking Michigan, 52% is picking the Tide. I'm going to go with the Tide and it's just because I feel like that one loss to Texas, a lot of people's weighing heavy on that. That's not the same football team. Jalen Milrow, what he hadn't even seen the doghouse yet. He was he was off the farm. He was off the reservation. He came in, has found himself. The receivers know what he's doing and how to help him. The offensive line is doing exactly what they've always been able to do, and the defense is pretty strong. I think Michigan's going to be able to score points in this one. I don't think Alabama crushes them, but I do think Alabama does enough because they've played in closer games throughout the season to be able to put four quarters together and get to another national championship game. So prior to the Michigan-Ohio State game, I was with you. And I'm not totally against you. I could probably go either way on this one. But I am constantly thinking about that Michigan defense against Ohio State, their ability to cover Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, this game's going to come down to whether or not Jalen Milrow can operate against that tough Michigan defense. Um, we will get to see how good this Michigan defense is from a pass rush perspective. They create that pressure and then they force you to make mistakes on that secondary. He's not going to give. They're not going to give Milrow a lot of time in that. They're not. Gonna, he's not going to have a lot of time in that pocket. And uh, they've shown they have the ability to cover the elite receiver. Uh, so I look for. I, I lean towards Michigan on this one. Um, I believe that that Michigan defense is going to uh, cause Milrow some fits, and he's going to make some turnovers and uh, turnovers lose ball games. So I'm going with Michigan. Well, I'm a, I, the only reason I'm Aaron with Alabama is because I think he's going to have to run the football to win the football game. And I think mm-hmm. what's going to happen is that I don't want to say Marvin Harrison Jr. is a special player, but I'm going to tell you Alabama has three or four guys that are. of a Marvin Harrison Jr. And so to me, unlike Ohio State, where it's a one-trick pony, there's going to be two or three other guys that can get open. So I think, but I think once they decide they have to cover that, Milrow can can run for six, eight, ten yards at a click and do some really nice things. But we'll see. Uh, The semifinal, second semifinal game will be the All-State Sugar Bowl, uh, which will see the number two Washington Huskies take on the number three team in the country, the Texas Longhorns. Washington 13-0, winners of the Pac-12 championship, and the Texas Longhorns 12-1, winners of the Big 12 championship. Final uh, final game's been played in the Big 12 for 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 Texas, and we're going to see on January 1st if they can uh, can finish off that final Big 12 season with a national championship. I, I'll be honest, Michael Penix Jr., what I like about him is his ability to kind of take what the defense gives him and pick them apart. I'm taking Washington, the Huskies, over Texas in this one. So, I, again, I, I'm, I'm excited about this playoff. I mean, I'm really excited about the, these two matchups. Um, but I'm taking Texas. The reason why is the Huskies have had a lot of one-score games down the stretch, several one-score games this season uh, in their conference and outside of conference. Uh, Texas, on the other hand, uh, they have the ability to stretch the field with viewers. I think C.J. Baxter is going to be able to, to get that running game going and some of those other running backs that they have. Uh, so I look for, for uh, Texas to win this one. Well, 
for my sake, I hope you're wrong, but it wouldn't break my heart either way. <laughs> but yeah. uh, lastly, we'll talk about Tennessee's bowl game against Iowa. You know, it's funny. There's there's such a mixed review in this matchup in really not necessarily what they think is going to happen, but they just don't like the matchup, you know, because Iowa, a super low-scoring team, somewhat would call boring, uh, so much so that they fired an offensive coordinator because he didn't score enough points. Uh, so, uh, to me – I, I don't mind this matchup. I'm not a I'm not a guy who likes a, a two point victory. I like blowouts, and I think Tennessee, uh, with proper motivation, uh, could definitely take the the kind of take the chains loose and and get away from Iowa on this one. I think if they score more than 24 points, Tennessee wins, and then if they score more than 30 points, they win they win easily. Um, I like Tennessee, obviously. I I, I like a. Uh, what was it? Oh, oh Sterl the Pearl told me one time. He said, there ain't no way I'm going to pick against the Vols when they ain't even snapped the football yet. So, to me, give me the Vols in this one. 73% of the country's taking Tennessee in this one. But I don't I don't want to discount Iowa's defense. I don't think it's going to be easy to score on them. But I do think if you can find some seams and if you can find a way to get behind their DBs, it's all over. It's it's all over. But it's crime. They don't have the team speed that we have we've generated over the last few years, and so I think it's about picking your poison and being accurate with the football. And we could we could we could have a really nice day here. Yeah. So I've had some reflection on this one. I'm taking Tennessee, of course, uh, but I've had some reflection about Iowa's defense and Tennessee's offense, and how how are we going to be able to navigate that that tough defense? Because on paper. When you look on paper, their Iowa's offense is is uh, anemic, basically. I mean, they they uh, almost non-existent. Um, yeah. So it's going to come down to Iowa's defense versus Tennessee's offense. And I think about a couple of experiences from this past season. Number one is the first half of the Alabama game. Um, uh, we come out and we we go up twenty-one to seven. Uh, so Josh Heupel's ability to go down in a hostile environment, manufacture twenty-one points pretty quickly go up on a tough Alabama uh, defense. That's number one. And then number two, against Georgia, we score on first play of the game um, on that run by Jalen Wright. And that's that's something that Josh Heupel uh, is developing a reputation for, his ability to score on the first play of the game. So I like our coaching staff. I like uh, some of the decisions we've made against some pretty tough football teams defensively. So I think we'll be all right against Iowa. I'm taking the balls. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so that kind of wraps up bowl season. Obviously, after the playoff games, we'll have one more talk and one more discussion to be had about the national championship game. Uh, but we'll save that for our next podcast. But uh, been been a, a really good bowl season. I think right now I'm looking at our uh, uh, at our leaderboard. I'm not even anywhere near the top. Uh, I think in in the group. Where am I? Wayne's winners. That's me. I'm 12 and eight uh, overall in the bowl picks. I started really hot. I started with five straight wins and then kind of, kind of had a little bit of, a uh, little bit of problems there. Uh, but trying to get the, uh, the, the groupings there. Uh, so it looks like I'm actually in fourth place. If you look at it, uh, but I'm tied with, with three other people. So I'm really, I guess I'm tied for first, but, uh, if Where's you look at, at it, Where's hippie at? Oh, we're tied 12 and eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, it's not a, a super deep group, but it is, uh, uh, 
Uh, oh, Randy, the mailman's right there. Uh, just one pick back. So, uh, been a pretty tight little, uh, little pickums here, but, uh, anyway, uh, we'll see 12 and eight that, that doesn't fare too well in most circles, but in the one that I'm in, it's, it's doing all right. So it's, it's a good circle, buddy. It's a good circle. But, uh, but Ben, uh, kind of come to a conclusion here, uh, two, two new episodes here in the last two weeks. That means we're on, uh, uh, what is it? That's called a win streak. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to try to keep putting out content. Um, probably the last one of the new year though. I think the next time we hit the mics possibly could be, uh, after the new year. So want everybody that's, that follows us, that listens, or even takes the time to kind of check in with us. I want to wish you guys a happy new year. Hope you had a great Christmas, uh, but wish you a happy, prosperous new year. And uh, there's more to come here for the Grind on Sports in 2024. I think we're going to try to try to branch out a little bit, continue to put out good content. And like I said, we're never going to break news here, but I think we're going to have the same feelings that a lot of people have. And just hearing somebody else believe what you believe is sometimes all you need to get through some some pretty tough times. I've lived through Tennessee's uh, football seasons for about the last 15 years. So uh, I think just hearing it, uh, from another perspective, it's kind of good, and it sometimes can walk you off a cliff that maybe you didn't need to be on. So uh, we'll continue to do that. But give us a like, follow, subscribe on Facebook, Twitter, and here on YouTube. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll we'll bring it back here uh, after the turn of the new year. Ben, you got anything? Yeah, enjoyed uh, having you all listening. Um, again, we, we enjoy you hearing our perspective. Uh, Wayne said it best. We're calling it from the cheap seats here. As Tennessee Vol faithful and uh, East Tennessee fans' um, perspective, but uh, really enjoyed having you, and hope you have a happy new year. Absolutely. Well, we're going to sign off here for 2023. Uh, see you next year. Always check in with us, and as I always say, grind on. We'll talk to you next year.